Hey guys, and welcome to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's signing day, and we're talking everything Carolina football, focusing on the class that's coming in, 2018, a big year for the Tar Heels on the recruiting trail. It started out really nicely, and then of course, we sort of faded back just a little bit, losing some of the bigger commitments that we did have, but now, towards the end here, we've picked up some great steam, and so we're going to close that class out today, and we'll take a look at those guys that we've landed so far, and what to expect just a little bit from this class. Got a big-time guest coming in as well, my buddy Zach Hubbard, one of the big Tar Heel fans and a guy that um, is hopefully going to get on with with the blog and everything like that, so some of his content's going to be up there hopefully soon. Uh, We'll be joining us here in just a few minutes. So focusing on what we've seen so far early today, uh, it started out at 7 o'clock this morning. Anthony Grant, the three-star running back from Buford High School in Buford, Georgia, came out and he flipped his commitment from Tennessee to to um, Florida State, actually. Virginia Tech was one of the schools that he was considering along with Carolina, and most people were very shocked by it. They thought for sure that he would probably, if anything, he was going to go to Virginia Tech or he was going to probably keep his commitment to Tennessee. Um, I don't think anybody saw the you know the flip coming to Florida State I think um, most people thought that would probably be just uh, a four-star guy and just Sean Corbin making the flip there so Anthony Grant uh, really with some some big time news coming out uh, with him being able to flip his commitment Uh, you know then the uh, another athlete Kavosi excuse me Cavosier Smoke, that's how you pronounce his name, Cavosier Smoke, Um, I apologize for that, Uh, on the last podcast I uh, did pronounce the name wrong, um, but a great name for sure, Uh, he ends up committing to Kentucky, nothing really shocking there, really it was probably down to Kentucky and Florida Atlantic there at the end after a great visit to Florida Atlantic for him. And then a great visit after that to Kentucky for him. That ended up putting Kentucky in the driver's seat. And, on you know, in the end, he ends up picking Kentucky. So not really a shocker there either. Uh, so to start the morning, two guys that, you know, would have been pleasant surprises, but they don't end up committing. Then we turn to uh, just a little while later. It started out with uh, Mikhail Salahuddin. Um, his commitment got pushed back, so then the focus turned to Dax Hollifield. That really wasn't too long ago, um, just about an hour and a half ago, maybe a little bit more than that. He ends up committing to Virginia Tech over Carolina. They were it, it was pretty much down to us two as well as maybe Stanford was still in the running. Clemson was kind of an outside shot, and you know, unfortunately, he ends up going to Virginia Tech. Unfortunately for us, uh, pretty good for him. So. Um, you know, definitely a guy that we would have loved to have an in-state talent that would have been a big commitment for Larry to focus on in, in, in the state. But unfortunately right now, Dax Hollyfield is going to go and play at Virginia Tech. After that, Jamarcus Chapman, the three-star defensive lineman from Rome, Georgia, he ends up committing to, uh, he ends up committing to Florida State again. Uh, not really all that shocking. You know, it seemed like Florida State and Miami were were kind of the two right there at the end. Uh, You know, for a while it looked like the heels were in control there, but unfortunately uh, they didn't end up pulling it out. So right now we're going to have to kind of sit and wait. 
um, you know, as as you know, the whole we're, we're kind of in a holding pattern after the big commitments of the day. William Barnes and Ed Montillis, considering both us and Florida, and William Barnes and Ed Montillis are coming to Chapel Hill. Huge lands for Larry Fedora. The four-star offensive tackle, William Barnes, 53rd-ranked player according to 24-7 Sports. This kid is the real deal. He is a monster at offensive tackle, and he's going to come in and could have an early impact at a position where the heels are going to have a couple of battles going on for those positions. So a real chance for him to come in and, and make an immediate impact on this team. Definitely a guy with a lot of talent, and that is a huge land for the Heels going into the state of Florida, an area that has been populated heavily by SEC and ACC uh, you know, top-tier teams. So to land him over Florida is huge. Ed Montillas, kind of a package deal type guy with him, so that's also... A, a, a big, big deal for those guys. So hopefully, um, you know, hopefully that th- we can keep the momentum going as we're kind of, like I said, in a holding pattern. Got three guys that you got to keep an eye on later today. Um, so yeah, just, you know, some guys, it's going to be the defensive end, Gavin Lewis from Madison, Alabama. He's going to commit at two o'clock. This is a guy that's kind of flown under the radar. Um, so, you know, it's going to be, between us and UCLA, not a lot's really known about his commitment, but I think right now we've definitely got a really good shot considering that he would have to go out to the West Coast to play for UCLA. And then, of course, uh, later on in the day, Rick Sandage, the defensive tackle from Concord, North Carolina, um, you know, not expected probably to become a Tar Heel. I heard a report earlier this morning, someone that's someone had sent me some rumors uh, that he has actually taken us out of consideration. Don't know how true those are. Definitely still keep an eye on the commitment. But right now, and what most people believed from the get-go was that it was going to be South Carolina and Georgia. Uh, for his services and the final commitment of the day taking place at three or uh, now that I think about it I think it might have been 330 I may have gotten that wrong so I'll have to go back and correct that on the blog Antone Green the wide receiver from Rockledge Florida this was probably our best shot coming into the day to land someone so right now I think he's probably going all in on Carolina I know Florida State was removed from his top three last night he is down to a top two I believe now he did delete the tweet but it seems right now it's between either us or Georgia to get his services later today so just keep an eye on that ladies and gentlemen there's going to be some big things going on later this afternoon and of course the heels will then close out the class and we'll take a look at that uh, later on down the line blog will have all that kind of stuff up there so definitely Definitely uh, a big close to the day, and the Heels could uh, continue to move up. Uh, Green's commitment would be huge. They would continue to move up. Um, you know, in terms of the class rankings overall and in the ACC. Uh, so, I, I mean, I did the projections uh, before that they're part of the uh, the preview um, for National Signing Day. I did those projections, and if things go right, we could end up moving into the top twenty-five, and we could end up finishing roughly with the fourth or fifth rated class in the ACC. So very, very big you know, things that could be going down here later this afternoon from a Tar Heel recruiting perspective. Um, 
waiting just for Zach to join us here. Gave him the go-ahead, so hopefully we're going to be getting that call soon. Um, I mean, just kind of talking about some of the stuff that we're, you know, that that this class involves. Definitely uh, got some areas that we're heavy, heavily focused in, um, for sure, on the defensive line. That was one of the areas where we've seemed to focus in really really heavily and we're still trying to add another guy there if we can add gavin lewis in there that would be humongous uh to get another guy in there another strong side defensive end so a guy that probably could play both defensive end if we needed him to or kick inside a defensive tackle um if if we were really struggling at that spot um you know and then i mean we look at you know wide receiver another area that we were focusing on heavily and again we'll focus on heavily later this afternoon uh, with the Antone Green commitment hopefully uh, he comes there that would be three guys that are officially wide receivers Trey Morrison is a guy that's probably going to play corner but he's an athlete as well who can play a little bit of receiver so you know you never really know what we're going to need injuries like like last year could force some of these guys to have to play different positions but man this class really does have some special guys in it, and you can definitely tell by the numbers, uh, you know, how highly we are ranked with just 20 commitments. A lot of these classes that are ahead of us, a lot of these other uh, other ACC schools, other SEC schools, they're going to be bringing in monster classes. They're going to be bringing in classes with guys, you know, 24, 25 guys, maybe even more than that. We're going to roll in probably around – 21 or 22 it just depends on what gavin lewis does the expectation of course being that uh anton green does commit to us if not we would only bring in 20 in this class that'd be one of the smaller classes in a while for the heels but you know there's definitely still a chance uh that we could be looking at something like that so um yeah definitely something to keep an eye on uh you know i think right now the the, the expectation is that we're going to have a real shot so Maybe, uh, you know, just, you know, maybe just maybe we could sneak into the top 20. I think that's what Gavin Lewis's commitment could do for us. So, yeah, I mean, definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, still trying to get Zach on here. So hopefully we can get that done. Um, you know, if not within the next couple of minutes, I think I'm going to shut this the, the podcast down just because this – uh, was just supposed to be a little sum up of of the recruiting class. I mean, um, one thing that you know me and Zach are going to try to kind of coordinate is uh, to do um, you know a, a, a depth chart breakdown afterwards. And here we go. We got Zach on right now. Going to bring him in. All right. Oh, let's see. Maybe. Hey Zach, how's it going, man? Uh, it's pretty good. How about you? Good, man. Yeah, definitely great to have you on uh, talking about some Tar Heel recruiting. I know you've uh, been keeping up all morning with it. Uh, so, yeah, just uh, talk about what you think from these commitments early in the morning and uh, where you think this class stands right now. Uh, well, I'll go through the commitments one by one. Early this morning, we got uh, the fact and letter of intent for Joshua Asudu. That's a three-star offensive tackle out of Lawrenceville, Georgia. Him specifically um, – He's a guy that has not played football for a long time, uh, still a little bit of raw in the technique, but obviously has talent, has good size to play inside and outside. His high school coaches and uh, Coach Tabilovic for the Tar Heels have really talked about um, his intelligence, uh, which is big across the offensive line. Um, so, yes, he, he projects nicely either inside or outside, which I think is, is very good for the Tar Heels. 
Um, amongst the other uh, soft commits that we had sent in a, uh, a letter of intent, we have uh, DeAndre Hollins, which was a, a three-star cornerback out of Tampa, Florida, uh, out there at Jefferson High School. And he's a guy uh, right now that's really seen as a raw kind of developmental player, maybe not um, the most skilled um, in his technique right now or perhaps in his vision, but certainly has the body for it. He's, not, he's listed as 6'2", six, 6'3", six, six, uh, 172. Um, so certainly a guy that uh, with whoever uh, the new secondary coach is going to be uh, – will have that ability to develop him, hopefully, into a really good player. Certainly has the physical tools for that. Moving on from there, um, there were some other top targets that committed elsewhere this morning. Uh, Three-star running back Anthony Grant, obviously committed to Florida State over Tennessee and uh, UNC. He was a guy whose running style I really liked. We probably saw um, uh, the other committed players in Devin Lawrence and Javante Williams and decided to go elsewhere, so no fault for him there. Uh, three-star athlete out of Alabama in Cavassier Smoke. Mm-hmm. Another guy I really liked play running back. He ended up going to Kentucky. Uh, I, From my understanding, he'll have a lot of really early playing time there, so that also makes sense for him. Um, Jamarcus Chapman was another one uh, this morning. Uh three-star uh, strong side defensive end or defensive tackle, um, had four finalists in UNC, Virginia Tech, Florida State, Miami. Personally, I thought it was going to come down to Florida State and Miami. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Me too, ended up yeah. Going to, yeah, ended up going to Florida State. Uh, and then the big one, I mean, Dax Holyfield, four-star inside linebacker um, out of Shelby, North Carolina, ended up uh, with four finalists in Stanford, VT, UNC, and Clemson, I thought UNC had a really good week recruiting him with the unofficial visit, with his brother receiving the offer, mm-hmm. and then the big in-house visit. Um, but decided to commit to VT, which is obviously um, <laughs> not, the, not the best thing for right. a, a Carolina fan's perspective. He was my favorite recruit. Uh, left on the board at this point, um, decided, decided to go to VT. Um, but then we had the two additional, the two new commitments this morning, and uh, two teammates from Apopka, Florida, um, William Barnes and Ed Montillis, uh, two offensive linemen, William Barnes, high four-star, fifth-ranked offensive tackle in the nation, uh, projects really well both inside and out depending on um, playing time availability personally I think that he has the chance to get a lot of immediate playing time particularly on the interior of the line Ed Montellis is another guy that is no consolation prize he is the real deal uh, three star offensive guard so as of right now um, UNC is the 24th ranked class with 19 commits we should have Really, just two more guys we're looking at at four-star wide receiver. Uh, I believe that's Antoine or Antoine Green and three-star um, defensive end or defensive tackle Gavin Lewis. Um, there's also four-star Rick Sandage later on this afternoon. Don't really know how much UNC should be seen as an option. But, I mean, uh, Anthony, give me your thoughts on all of that. 
Yeah, I mean, I gave just a little bit of the thoughts uh, definitely before you got on. But, yeah, um, I, I definitely love the the Barnes commitment. That is humongous for these guys. Definitely humongous for just the, I guess, the reputation for Larry Fedora, not only amongst the coaching community, but really amongst the fan base's community. You know, the fan base, which thinks that really he can't recruit. I don't agree with that in the in any way. Um, I think this definitely shows it. Hollowfield, I think, is one that 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 definitely hurts a little bit, considering he comes from this state. I agree with you. I thought for sure that the I thought the visit may have meant a little something. Um, you know, I didn't read into it just too much just because, you know, Jack was there with them as younger brothers in the 2021 class. So I think that was mostly focused on Jack. But, man, I thought definitely that we had a real shot, especially since, you know, including the fact that we have been, you know, tied to him for a really, really long time, really since he was probably a freshman. But, you know, you know, Barnes is huge. Montillas is huge. I agree. I think both of them are going to have a chance probably to make a little bit of an impact. I think Barnes definitely, for sure, I think he's going to come in and he could play at offensive tackle or offensive guard. I think it's like you said, it's kind of going to be what do they need right now. And, yeah, definitely on the interior, we got to replace both of our guys on the interior. So there will be a battle there. And then at offensive tackle, we got a battle to take over for um, for, for Bentley Spain. So, yeah, we're definitely going to have some, some real chances for him to step up. And then later today, I, I feel really good with, with Anton Green. I think that's probably ours to lose. Um, I don't really know. I'd be interested to see, and I think I'm going to try to talk to some of the guys um, once I get off that are connected to Georgia and see whether or not they are hearing anything about him possibly committing there. If not, then more than likely I think we're – um, we're going to go in and get that commitment because I saw last night, now he did delete the tweet, there was a tweet that he showed where it was him with half Georgia, half uh, North Carolina, and it said uh, top two. So I'm not sure if that means that he has taken Florida State out. Might have, considering that Warren Thompson committed there just a couple of days ago. He was another four-star wide receiver, so maybe uh, that's kind of helped us out a little bit as well. So that would be a big one to bring in. And then, yeah, Gavin Lewis, um, you know, he's he's kind of flown under the radar uh, just a little bit. He hasn't really been talked about as much as some of these other guys in this class. But that would be another huge get for us. And continues to show that we are focusing very, very highly on that defensive line in this recruiting class. I think Deke Adams has done a sensational job with the guys that we're bringing in in this class. And, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely excited for this afternoon. Um, Sandage, I did have a tip from a guy earlier that said that, according to Don Callahan Inside Carolina, um, Rick has not – I don't think he's come out and said Carolina's definitely not in the running, but I think he said that, you know, right now South Carolina and Georgia are the top two that I have, and, you know, Carolina's kind of in the background. So I don't know, unless – you know, something I, I we we get a last second phone call in or something like that. I think it's, um, I, I think it's pretty pretty obvious that he's going to be going SEC. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Any, any other thoughts from you, man? Uh, yeah, I'll put in some more comments on that specifically, just point by point. I mean, we talked about uh, Barnes and Montellus on the offensive line, and like you mentioned, this is a Tar Heel offensive line that did not. Um, perform perhaps up to 
the desired level last year. I mean, there were a lot of injuries, obviously, as there were with the whole team, but there was a lot of moving pieces, moving parts within the offensive line. And this is also an offensive line uh, that lost six scholarship linemen, uh, either for graduation or um, entering the draft or just medically retiring in the case of Tommy Hatton. So there are plenty of open spots on this offensive line. Um, to touch on that briefly, not trying to get into um, way too early depth chart or projections or anything like that, but um, like you said, the guards spots on the offensive line look to be fairly open. Tackle spots are obviously not out of contention, but there are, there are opportunities for these young guys to play there really early um, in terms of the defensive line, like you mentioned, still going after Gavin Lewis and they're being focused on it this year. Uh, defensive line, in my opinion, uh, was one of Carolina's biggest strengths last year. Uh, they really helped down the stretch. They were the team, that, or they were the position group, uh, rather, that seemed to have the smallest amount of injuries, uh, and they returned a lot of bodies here, which is really important, same as the offensive line. Defensive line is probably the biggest position of in-game rotation, as I'm sure uh, you know and as our listeners know. Um, so getting guys in there uh, with three already signed and uh, defensive ends, Chris Holland and Lensing Duray, as well as defensive tackle, Julio Taylor, getting guys in there is imperative, uh, both in this class and the incoming class. So I agree. Um, Deke Adams is doing an amazing job there, something that you know we haven't seen quite in the past couple of years, but saw this past year, I felt, and can see really well this coming year and in the future. Uh, in terms of Antoine Green at wide receiver, I mean, uh, I think that Florida State hasn't really been in it for a while. They've probably tried to, but with Warren Thompson, like you said, um, going to the Seminoles, I, I think they just didn't have the impact and um, didn't have quite the relationships or the appeal that UNC and Georgia has. I mean, as I'm sure you know, Georgia's on pace to a historic class and is filling up recruit by recruit. Oh, for sure, but yeah. What, but what that means going into this afternoon is that there's going to be less and less spots for these top targets. And uh, I don't know if you've seen, they already took another wide receiver today. They took uh, Tommy Bush out of Texas uh, as a four-star wide receiver. So I'm... I'm not even certain if Georgia would have space for Antoine Green. They might. I feel really strongly about him at UNC. He's a guy that, I mean, he's, he went for his official visit, I believe, on the 12th, and then came back for an unofficial visit with Anthony Grant and Dax Holyfield, I believe, two weekends ago. Right, so during I, junior day. Yep, he was he yeah, was on campus for that. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, he, he's a guy that I feel at to – to be a little bit biased uh, to our target kills here, I feel like UNC recently has had a lot of success at wide receivers uh, in the past couple of years. I mean, you you have Gwenshaw Davis was a good wide receiver. You have certainly in guys that are making moves in the NFL. You have recent Super Bowl champion Matt Collins. Right. Uh, you have Ryan Switzer. You have uh, Buck Howard that's making some moves. We'll see what Austin Pearl does. And even this past year on the, on the field, you had Anthony Ratliff-Williams making some noise. So with the legendary Gunter Brewer as our wide receivers coach and the offense we run, 
always a position of emphasis and always a position of success. So, I mean, that that you can see in signing Jordan Adams and Deami Brown, but I think that also can push that success onto Antoine Green. Um, quite frankly, have, getting all those three guys together, having the first two is wonderful. Having those three guys makes the wide receiver room a real position of interest going into this offseason because there's a lot of talent there. I mean, Anthony Ratliff-Williams, like you mentioned, but right. also... Daz Newsome. Love Daz. Uh, Love Daz Newsome. Oh, my gosh. What, what an impact he has as a freshman. And um, I think you'll definitely agree with this. Just let me get this point in. Uh, the, the injuries um, last year, most people would say, well, you know, that really hurt this team. But in terms of experience, I think it helped this team out immensely, especially at the wide receiver position where there were just so many injuries. Absolutely. I mean, uh, and to move on, I mean, you have – Bill Corrales as well. You have uh, Artavius Groves. There, there's a lot of guys here that can contribute. And I think, like you mentioned, it's important to note uh, for this recruiting class and the next is that uh, UNC's team is really, really young. I mean, UNC, based on my calculations, will only have nine seniors in this upcoming team. So there, there's a lot of opportunities here to come in and play early and to get experience early and to get playing time. So I personally, if I was a recruit, I can look at that and say, I have an opportunity as opposed to other places to come in and make an impact. Uh, I, I think that's the case with Antoine Green. Gavin Lewis, I haven't really, really watched a lot of his film, um, but I, I think he's a guy that teams really like. I think he's, a, like you said, a guy that went under the radar. And I think without knowing a lot about him, guys that go under the radar are quite often guys that UNC can have success with. We've had recent success with walk-ons and this guy that we're trying to get as a scholarship player. So I, I feel strongly, if the staff and Deke Adams feels good about him, I feel good about him. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, any more questions, any more thoughts uh, to comment on? I'm going to just ask you one more question, and it definitely focuses on recruiting. You are also a guy that keeps up with Bama, um, and you've seen how recruiting has helped them so much. It's been proven that you know statistically you have to have a good recruiting class to make the college football playoff. I mean, even Washington a couple of years ago, you have to bring in – uh, you know, at least a top 25 class guaranteed. I think most people say it's around a top 15 class. You know, it, just, you know, from watching Bama, how important is recruiting? And then do you think that one day maybe Carolina could get up into that range where we could be competing possibly to get into the playoff, at least on the recruiting front? Uh, yeah, so as you mentioned, um, Alabama was the first team. Uh, that I was a fan of. That's where my family's from. Uh, but I ended up, because of our family moving and wanting to be closer to home, I ended up going to UNC. Uh, so kind of have those dual fan bases to balance. Love recruiting, love watching recruiting for both of them. But yeah, it's like you mentioned. What people have said conventionally is that there, there's always coaching and there's always injuries and there's always player development. But you cannot win a national championship without a certain number of what they call blue chips, which are four-star and five-star guys. So it's, it's 
it is recruiting, it is how players develop, but it people also have a pretty good idea of how good players are going to be. Recruiting rankings right now are better than they've ever been. They do have misses. They do have guys that don't pan out that are ranked high. They do have two and three and four stars that really play up to that level. But for the most part, recruiting is big. Recruiting is big for how your team does. Um, so I, obviously, like I said, that's important. I think another thing that people fail to mention, though, is that recruiting for need is important, um, which I think Carolina did a lot of in this in this recruiting cycle that we're obviously not done with, but has been the past few times. And I think it's something that a lot of teams um, at the top can do really well is that they recruit for need. So, I mean, you look at Carolina's recruiting class, they've got a couple guys at each position. They're trying to make sure that they keep uh, the position balanced by age so they don't have a whole kind of mass exodus, if you will, of guys at a certain position, not have the depth that they want. Um, and I, I think that's really important to note as well, is that you recruit a balanced class, make sure that you have guys in a position of need as opposed to just going after big recruits. I, I, I think that a lot of fans are upset with how UNC recruiting is right now. I don't think that they should be, per se. I think people are kind of on edge after this past season. But as I look at it right now, with the possibility for two more commits, UNC is 24th in the nation, 5th in the ACC. Quite frankly, that's incredible for where it is. I mean, a lot of people would say, and I would as well, that UNC uh, as kind of the flagship school within the state should be dominating the state in recruiting and should have a top 20 class every year, but I, I think fans need to be a little bit more patient here. I mean, we're talking about a team that I, that's in a state that's not really known for college football. I mean, Wake Forest is not really known for college football. Duke's not really known for college football. NC State's not really known for college football. This is a state that traditionally has its top players go out of state. Uh, and a lot of the players higher-ranked players that we got this past season were being heavily recruited by other teams. I mean, you have William Barnes and Ed Montillis that were being heavily recruited by Florida and by Old Miss, and then you have Jordan Adams that was that uh, Clemson, I mean, 2016's national champion, was heavily after it at the wide receiver position, which they've had success at. So I, I think all things considered, it would be, it's a nice thought for UNC to be able to dominate the state in recruiting and lock the state down and have a top 20 class every year. I don't know how realistic that is at this point. I think that what UNC is doing and still needs to do is build a culture for that, and that just comes down to, I mean, the basic things that we talk about to be a successful program. That comes down to staff retention. That comes down to developing your players. That comes down to wins and losses and and fan expectations and fan attendance and all those things that Carolina fans like to talk about. Um, in terms of if Carolina could jump into that upper echelon of the college football world, uh, I really like UNC's offense on the national level. I think we really saw that in 2015 uh, and in 16. UNC has always focus its team on its offense, on the spread offense, with some air raid concepts in there. Um, we like to pass the ball a lot. We like to go quick, no huddle. If 
QB can run a few times, that's great too. I, I think that that really pairs well on the national stage. Um, but I think Carolina fans would also say, and I would echo as well, that the defense has not been up to the elite level uh, over the past couple of years in the Fedora era. And I think that that would be a key component to really competing with a lot of these elite teams, with competing with the Alabamas, with the Georgias, with the Oklahomas, with the Ohio States, with the Clemsons. I think that's what you need is an elite defense that can lock down and stop other teams that also have elite offensive playmakers to shut them down and not allow them to score points while also obviously scoring as many points as we can, which UNC's modus operandi is score ad nauseum. Um, Specifically within the conference, uh, the way it's structured right now, um, VT, uh, Virginia Tech, I think, will be very good in the coming years. Miami, I think, will be very good in the coming years. And I can't see Clemson and Florida State going anywhere for a long time. So I think it's definitely an uphill battle for the Tar Heels right now in terms of dominating uh, in recruiting and dominating in state and dominating on the football field. I do think that Carolina is in a good position because they, they've had these experiences before. They've played teams that on the surface seem more talented or have larger fan bases. Uh, I'm optimistic for the Carolina program. I'm optimistic right now for how Larry Fedora will do. Um, and if not, if uh, that comes in the future that a coaching change is made, I know that that's a topic of conversation for people right now. Um, so be it. And I'll be excited for cargo football regardless. Right, and I, I definitely agree with you there. I think uh, for sure I totally agree with the, you know, this is kind of a building block class. I think, you know, you look at the number of commits that we're going to have in this class. Let's say we didn't even, you know, we, we don't land Gavin Lewis. Let's just say that we end up with 21 or uh, 20 commits in this class because I for, keep forgetting they don't count. Um, the guy that we got, uh, Ricky uh, Mizan, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's an inside linebacker, played the number one lacrosse uh, player in the nation. He's not officially put into the class, but he, I mean, he, I think he's on scholarship. I'm pretty sure that we have offered him a scholarship, so he will be in that class as well. But still, just to bring in, even if we're just saying 20 or 21, either way, I mean, that's one of the smaller classes of the teams that are ranked ahead of us. I mean, a lot of those classes are going to involve 24, 25 guys. So, you know, I think it's definitely impressive. The concern about the in-state prospects is is definitely, you know, it's it's viable. There there is some concern there at times. You know, with with you know, we would have loved to get Dax Hollifield. We would have loved to get a guy like Peyton Wilson and everything like that. But I think one of the things that kind of nullifies it, you know, re- you know, outside of this past season, we have been really successful while not being the greatest at recruiting the state. So I'm not, I'm with you. I'm not really overly concerned if we can still recruit the state of Georgia as well as we have the state of Florida, primarily in the Jacksonville area, as well as we have. I'm not really all that concerned. I think this team definitely is heading in the right direction, and I agree with you. I think it's definitely going to be, in terms of national relevance, it's it's going to be pretty tough because, yeah, I totally agree. I think Virginia Tech and Miami are two teams that are on the rise, and for sure, I, I don't think 
Clemson and Florida State are not going anywhere. If any team's going anywhere, it would be Florida State out of the two. Clemson is not even thinking about going anywhere. They are a national championship contender just about every year. So right now, you know, to even think that we're going to be on that level, I'm I'm not I'm not going to even entertain that right now because you know if we do entertain that, our fan base's head will swell will swell up even more than it already is. Um but yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, some good things in place right now. And yeah, I'm in. I'm one of those guys that thinks Larry is doing a, a good job here. We've just got to trust in him right now. Um, all right, man, we've been we've been rolling for here for a little while, and uh, I got to get ready to roll out. So hey, I want to thank you for joining me, man, and I hope you had some fun on air, man. Oh, I absolutely did. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem, man. All right. All right, you take care. All right, man. You too. All right. So that was Zach Hubbard. Uh, Going to be doing some more things on the blog with him. Uh, definitely a great guy. Love that commentary, being able uh, to hang out with him and talk a little bit about the recruiting. So, uh, yeah, guys, just, just stay tuned to the Heel Tough blog. I'll be tweeting out some links as we get through the afternoon here. we got about 45 minutes until we're going to have our next guy that we got to focus on. Gavin Lewis is going to commit, and hopefully he ends up choosing us over UCLA. That could be the start of a nice afternoon for the Heels as they look to land two, possibly three more big commitments on the day. But as I said again earlier, Rick Sandage is a little bit, uh, you know, he, he's leaning away from us. So, you know, we'll just have to see going forward. I um, want to thank you guys for joining us. As always, check out the blog, Heel Tough blog on medium.com. Check me out on Twitter at Future Tar Heel. Uh, on Facebook, uh, Anthony Pagnata, any of the groups that I'm in as well. Plenty of the Tar Heel groups uh, like Die Hard Tar Heels and uh, Carolina All Day, Every Day, stuff like that. Plenty of those groups I'm in. Um, so, yeah, go ahead and check out the content there. Um, so And, of course, if you want to follow the guy you just heard, Zach Hubbard, uh, his uh, Twitter handle is at HackZubbard uh, on Twitter. That's at HackZubbard. Um, so uh, go ahead and check that out, guys. And, again, thank you for joining us. And, as always, go Heels.